Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You doing okay for a Tuesday night? Doing well. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. No, thanks for being here. And uh, just so everyone to kind of get some background on you and we can start getting this conversation going and maybe where it might lead to and where it might not even lead to, but you're the founder of, what is it? Prisma? Is that how you? Yeah. And so why don't we just like, I'll let you share a little bit about that and like how you, what was the motivation behind it? How did you fall into it and all that good stuff? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I really developed Prisma on my own journey, uh, healing. Um, If you met me 25 years ago, I was struggling with uh, pretty debilitating chronic pain, depression, anxiety. I have a severe curve in my spine. Um, Today, I'm three inches taller than I was 25 years ago. Nice. And I really developed Prisma because I was finding that a lot of traditional approaches to therapy we're really ill-equipped to address the imprints of trauma stored in the body that were causing a lot of my pain. Um, And so, yeah, I started to piece together findings in trauma and neuroscience with somatics and mindfulness and energy medicine to create as much of an accessible, um, practical healing system as possible. So today I help uh, leaders and entrepreneurs in particular with a lot of anxiety and depression and chronic pain. Uh, that's often symptomatic of unresolved trauma. Well, if you don't mind me asking, so, you know, what did you say, 20, 25 years ago, what was going on then? Um, I mean, I was suffering. <laughs> I mean, And I was inches away from pain meds and antidepressants. And I, I didn't want to take that route because I sure. had enough awareness that I, I didn't want to just manage my pain and I didn't want to just treat symptoms. Um, but I also didn't really know how to, how to heal otherwise. Um, and I was introduced to a friend who at the time offered me a massage, uh, but I was living in so much physical pain. I didn't want massage. So that's when she introduced me to energy medicine, which at that point, at that point in time, I had never heard of energy medicine. It was completely foreign to me. Um, but I was, you know, desperate and, uh, I wanted, I wanted to feel better. And, the moment she started working on me, I realized I found something I didn't even know I was looking for. It was like I had just like lifted out of my pain body. It's like I got a taste of who I was outside of my pain, which was pretty significant. 
So within a year, I started to study energy medicine and Reiki, and then that led me on kind of, you know, this path of just following breadcrumbs to continue to gather, you know, the tools and the practices and the resources that um, I found were actually helping me, helping me peel. Um, and in recent years have just reverse engineered all of that um, to, you know, help, help others in, in their pain. You know, a lot of my clients come to me after they've been chasing symptoms and, um, you know, been in traditional therapy for sometimes years, if not decades, and they may have a good intellectual understanding of their pain, but they're still suffering, right? They're still, um, they're still struggling and looking for solutions. Where did your pain come from? I mean, was this a trauma or was it you born with it or? Yeah. I mean, so scoliosis is, you know, scoliosis. a lot of people would say is, you know, genetic hereditary. Um, and so the, a lot of people would argue that you can't heal it. Um, so I've been told by, you know, numerous chiropractors and medical doctors that, you know, unraveling this curve in my spine is impossible. Um, but that's my experience. Um, and, you know, developmental trauma, trauma is a big piece. So, um, how trauma calcifies and gets stored in the body gets stored in the tissues mm. connective tissue and fascia is what pulls on the muscles and bones you know we think our musk we think our skeletal system is kind of what holds us together that's actually the fascia that holds us together sure the fascia is also where we store trauma right so we're carrying you know beliefs and emotions and memories in our tissues and that's impacting our physiological function right that stagnation of emotion it's compromising our immune system. It's throwing off our hormones. It's, you know, stagnating, you know, the stagnation is kind of the, the breeding ground of illness and disease. Um, and so, yeah, I, I found a way to help to flush the trauma patterns out of my body. And so I think I came into the world with scoliosis and then trauma, you know, finds a weakness to latch onto and that aggravated the scoliosis and amplified it. And as I started to heal the trauma stored in the tissues, yeah, you know, you think of trauma as organized around fear and guarding and protection and pain. So if my fascial system is organized around all this wounding, as I start to heal that trauma, then my whole system no longer needs to hold itself in that posture, in that costuming, right? Um, so then that affords my body's innate wisdom uh, an opportunity to reorganize and restructure itself. Um, so instead of being identified and organized around pain, I just get to be me in my body. Well, that's always a good thing. So I didn't realize it was scoliosis that you were talking about when we first started. So you were born with scoliosis and you went through life until you finally found, would you say 20, 25 years ago, energy medicine? Correct. So what was it like until, I know you say you were suffering in pain, but you know, and you restore, was it just you destroying those trauma and the fossa so much through life? And it just got to a certain point and you just said, I got to finally do take a chance and do something. And you found energy medicine and that's yeah, what well, I, I stumbled upon it. It was introduced to me and yeah, I found it. it you know, it's good luck. <laughs> good <laughs> so, okay. So, so let's break it down. I've never heard of energy medicine. So let's break it down for me and the audience so that they kind of know what it is. So. You know, I like the idea that 
we can think of the body and the mind and the spirit as a symphony orchestra. So when we're experiencing health, all the different parts of the body are in constant communication. So sure. all of our muscles, our organs, our endocrines, our hormones, our neurotransmitters, our beliefs are all in a harmonic resonance, right? And that is the underlying intelligence of how you know we are who we are. And that helps us to feel established in our wholeness you know, trauma comes along and it short circuits the nervous system. And as the nervous system gets short circuited or flooded, all of a sudden that communication starts to break down. So instead of making music, we start to make a lot of noise. And that noise starts to present itself as our symptoms, as our illness, as our disease, as our pain. So the function of energy medicine is to cut through and break up the noise, right? Instead of chasing symptoms or treating pain, it's breaking up the noise so the symphony orchestra that we are can come back into this musicality of being, right? So we can come back into our own harmonic resonance. Um, you know, a term developed in chiropractic, which I, I work with, is innate wisdom. So innate wisdom is the healing mechanism that when we get a paper cut, we'll send platelets and proteins and orchestrate all these biochemical sure. transmissions. So that's all we're doing. Energy medicine helps to reconnect us to that innate wisdom. And the more we are in alignment with that innate wisdom, the more our natural capacity to heal um, is online and available. Um, so not only is it healing a paper cut, but then it helps us to heal, you know, past traumas. And, you know, so I look at the anxiety and the depression and the chronic pain that I was, you know, struggling and suffering from we're just the tip of the iceberg. Energy yeah. medicine is looking to address the underbelly of the iceberg, which are all the different causative factors. So well, that was developmental trauma, scoliosis, you know, an intergener, you know, a hereditary piece, trauma pieces, um, and helping the system make sense of it, sorted out. So would this be considered alternative medicine, energy medicine, or alternative health, alternative something? Sure. So, and I and, I'm, and I guess what I'm getting at is that. You know, like using your iceberg theory, is that kind of what modern medicine and I'm not I don't want not knocking it or anything like that. But is that kind of they just look at the whatever's above the water and just like, OK, yeah, whatever. It's probably X, Y and Z. Here's your here's your diagnosis. Here's how you get better. Go with it. But without taking a deep dive under the water and actually looking, OK, well, this might be a deep, deep, or a deeper issue than what we're just seeing on the surface of the water here. Correct. Is that kind of the issue with modern healthcare, maybe? You know, I have a I have a psychiatrist that refers patients to me. And, you know, a lot of folks are on antidepressants, they're on anti-anxiety meds. And a lot of folks, despite their no research pointing in this direction, are told that, you know, their chemical imbalance is the cause of their anxiety and their depression. Sure. Research actually hasn't <laughs> hasn't proven that. Um, and that's just a really oversimplified approach to then, well, let's just treat chemical imbalance with a medication. Um, and again, I, I'm not, I think there's a time and a place for pain and symptom management. So I've worked with plenty of clients who, you know, have relied on medications to help manage the chemical imbalance so they can find maybe some semblance of balance, but if we actually look at what's beneath the chemical imbalance and the anxiety and the depression, it's often developmental or, you know, developmental trauma, you know, complex trauma, acute trauma, PTSD, 
and, you know, childhood attachment wounding. Mm. And so if we start to work to heal wounding, attachment wounding and trauma, especially with tools that help to address the residue of trauma as it's impacting our physiology and, you know, our physical body, um, the system, you know, the body, mind and spirit is highly resilient and highly capable of healing. Um, so I've seen, you know, many clients reduce or eliminate their dependence on antidepressants, pain meds, anti-anxiety meds, sleep meds, synthetic hormones, when they have, you know, been able to look at and resolve these root, root cause factors um, beneath their pain. Is the reason, and I guess I feel like I already kind of know what you're going to say to this, but just to get a, your thoughts and perspective that when most people who are suffering from anxiety, depression, that that's the quick fix is just reach for the pills and like, okay, this is how I'm going to live the rest of my life rather than just saying that, okay, like what really is going down here, like to the root of the problem, to your point. And like, let's work at that rather than, rather than, but I'll just take the easy road instead of the hard road. I think that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. And, and I, I'm not saying that people are choosing the easy road. I think people are choosing the road that they are shown. Right. And as a kid, I had chronic ear infections and strep throat. And, you know, there was nothing more I wanted than to go to the doctor, take, take medicine and feel better. Right. Sure. And that's just the culture that we've grown up in. Right. That's the dominant cultural paradigm. That's changing. There's a lot more awareness of, you know, healing um, in uh, this day and age. But that's 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 what we know. Right. Um, and so if that's all we know, that's going to be our go-to. Um, and, and that is changing, you know, and I think a lot of people are becoming more, um, yeah, more open to looking at what's beneath the surface. Right. Yeah. But, um, and that takes courage and that takes time because we, we do live in, you know, uh, a culture that we want silver bullets and we want quick fixes and we want overnight success. And, and healing is not that healing is a process. Healing takes time. We need to question the status of arriving and be more invested in just process, which is, you know, lifestyle, right? We start to make lifestyle changes that have incremental you know, shifts in our health and our wellness over time. And then we sustain them. Yeah. And, and I guess that's what I was kind of wondering was that, or getting to was that now with, you know, with podcasts and information and Google and even books still and everything else, like, you know, there's so much information out there now where, you know, it's easily accessible to at any given time. And I'm wondering now, because, you know, even 10, 20, 30 years ago, which, yeah, you know, technology was starting to come around and we were starting to have this ease of information to us all where people were just, you know, traditionally just like, I'm going to go see my doctor and whatever they say, that's what's going to happen. But now where people can get all this information and learn that, oh, wait, you know, maybe I don't have to take pills for the rest of my life. Or maybe if I change up this little thing with my daily lifestyle that I can get better. And that, you know, and also that when they watch these pharmaceutical commercials or whatever you know it's people dancing in the meadows and all go lucky but then at the bottom of the the screen and they re read it real fast oh by the way taking this might cause dizziness sleepiness headaches you know diarrhea and all that stuff it's like well damn i don't want to take all these pills just for this one thing and just and have to you know worry about that now right so people are just like hey there's an alternative way there's another way i'm sure let me figure it out let me go talk to people like greg and see what's going on 
Does that kind of make sense what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think more people are, are starting to be introduced to, yeah, alternative ways of healing. Um, And that's, and that's a good thing, you know, and I think if we just even zoom out and just look at, you know, how trauma is just kind of in our face in the world. We, you know, we're living in a world that feeds off of alienation and fear and division. And that's just the breeding ground for trauma. Right. Mm. Uh, And I think we're just seeing that just in our faces Uh everywhere we look right now. And the beauty in that is that we we've, we've got to see it in order to be able to heal it. So I think we're seeing kind of the collective wounding of our times that's been building for generations upon generations. And, you know, that gives us an opportunity to work with it and to heal it um, both individually and collectively. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree that. Um, I guess my next thought was that, you know, that when people, I got to try to think, I want to say this, that, it's always scary to me when you go down an unorthodox method of whatever it is, whether it be healing or health or business or anything like that. And it's a little bit scary. So you don't know how the road's going to, you don't know what you don't know and you don't, you know, everyone wants to know the outcome. So, and then I guess the counter argument to what I just said that, you know, when you start to tell somebody who's all about the traditional ways of doing X, Y, and Z that, Hey, I want to go try this method. And that, like, oh, it's not going to work. Don't worry about that. And then it almost becomes overwhelming again. And they get stuck into a place, into a gray area where they don't know whether to go left, right, straight, backwards or what. And that it kind of starts to feed over into their mind again and almost make the situation worse. And then, you know, they're still struggling what to do. And rather than just take a chance and do something, but they're just hopefully, generally speaking, they do something. But more times than not, they'll just say, well, I'll just go ahead and take the easy road again. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's often, I think there's some folks who are just very in a privileged place and just have introduced to opportunity to heal and to have access to healing. Um, but I think a lot of people kind of hit a crisis and that becomes a forcing function for folks to kind of, you know, take a chance and do something different, you know, but the folks that come to me, They've tried everything under the sun sure. and haven't gotten better. You know, they've, you know, and they haven't seen the needle move on their, their pain. And they have a very clear understanding that emotional pain, trauma, and wounding is very intricately connected to the anxiety and the depression and the pain and their suffering, right? The stagnation of emotion, it's creating chronic inflammation it's compromising the immune system and that is you know the breeding ground for chronic illness and and that's the interesting thing too because we actually have more people right now who are medicated and we have more people who are suffering right there's more Mm. mental health diagnoses out there um, than there ever has been right so anxiety and depression are on the rise but so are medical treatments for anxiety and depression. So, um, you know, so the data is just the writings on the wall, right? That um, treating symptoms is not, is not actually helping, helping the matter. Yeah. You know, and one thing, you know, when I say the easy road, so I really don't mean that. And just that, I guess what I'm getting at is that, you know, I have a couple of friends and I'm not, hopefully I don't overshare or say anything, but you know, they kind of, they've, 
went through a depression stage or anxiety, you know, or suffer from anxiety or panic attacks or whatever. But, you know, with me, when, you know, they confided in me talking with me about, you know, their problems or whatever that, you know, I'll say like, well, just don't do it, you know, or just we'll stop looking at that or just, Hey, if you got a feeling for it, you know, and I'm, I'm being vague with my thing just cause I don't, I try not to overshare, but, um, and I, before I say too much, but that, that my point is, is that I don't look at things the way they're looking at things and that, you know, you know, how they, you know, just when I say to stop doing it, they just, they literally just can't stop doing it just because if there is a chemical imbalance or whatever it is going on in their head, whether, you know, if it's the food they're eating, the inflammation that you were talking about, or being on some type of prescription drugs or whatever, this is that it's hard for me, I guess, to look at it in their point of view. And I, even though I try so much and I just can't, and I guess that's my point is it's hard for me to understand even though I try to get in their position in their shoes and learn what they're going through. And it's still, I still personally just can't be there because I'm not them, obviously. Does that make sense? Well, and, and if you're not a mental health professional, you sure. may not have the tools or the resources to offer sure. that support. You know, you can offer just, you know, a shoulder that a friend would offer. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if it sounds like if it's something like addiction, you know, addiction is really a disease of isolation, right? And that's, you know, trauma imprints itself as an experience where we don't have support. And then lived experience is overwhelming. And we don't have the capacity to process that that experience. Mm. And so that happens when we're coming from a place of alienation and isolation, which is really, yeah, that's, that's addiction, right? And so and that's that's going to imprint, you know, upon the brain. That's going to imprint upon our physiology. That's going to imprint upon, you know, all aspects of body, mind, spirit. Mm. So, and, and going back earlier with what you said about the high numbers with anxiety and depression is, and you know, again, talk about root causes. I mean, is that just how the modern world is today? Like when I was talking about the information overload, I guess we could say, and just that living in this lifestyle compared to a hundred years ago, that's kind of why we're seeing mental health is on the rise or mental health disorders or anxiety, depression, all that stuff, addiction. Yeah. Like what's the root cause of it? I guess that's what I'm asking. Yeah. I, I would actually say that anxiety and depression are very healthy responses to an unhealthy environment or an unhealthy world. Right. Um, so right now, when we are treating an individual's chemical imbalance, we're making them wrong for their healthy response to something that is wrong in the environment. Right. And again, I'm not knocking medication. Sometimes folks are going to need that support to get through. Sure. A I agree. Patch. Um, but if they don't address the underlying trauma imprints at some point, then, you know, the wounding and the pain just continues to accumulate, right? Mm. Um, and then we'll become more dependent on, on more pills and more medications that, again, aren't actually healing the problem. They're just, you know, suppressing it or, you know, just holding it at bay at best. Um, and so, yeah, I think we need to look at, you know, really what's happening on a larger scale. And we're living in a world that is, you know, a, a breeding ground for people feeling separate and alone and, you know, a lack of support and a place where people can't, you know, 
authentically express and be themselves, right? So people are hiding parts of themselves. They are performing parts of themselves mm. uh, out of their attempt to, you know, survive. Um, and so, yeah, that's the, these are all pieces we need to be examining. Um, but instead, we're making mental health challenges the, the individual's problem. And then that, you know, is feeding into stigma. Right. And I don't even like to use the word mental illness or the term mental illness, because um, I look at mental illness as just unresolved trauma. Right. And our culture sure. doesn't create enough space to support people in their pain. And we our culture doesn't have enough tools and awareness and capacity to just support people in pain. Um, you know, so instead, we're thinking that, oh, something's broken that needs to be fixed. Not, I don't think the individual is broken. I think the dominant cultural paradigm is broken. Um, and I think individuals are kind of the, um, you know, the victims of that. Yeah. And, and just so everyone knows that, you know, I asked you about San Francisco and uh, before we started rec recording how it was over there, but, and I guess that, you know, you know, all these conversations I always feel very ignorant in. like, you know, I try to see what's going on in the world, but I've, you know, and like learned, Hey, this stuff is out there, but you know, I don't really take, a deep dive to learn, you know, why I guess this is happening in the world, you know, besides books I'm reading and stuff, you know, for example, uh, the coddling of the American mind where Jonathan, I don't know if you read that, but Jonathan Haidt, I think is his name. And he was talking about, you know, mental illness is being increased because of social media, basically among, especially among teenage girls. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then when you start looking at the homeless populations, which, you know, if you say like, yeah, there could be some mental illness there, maybe that's why they're, you know, homeless, but also, you know, PTSD, you know, just a bad, you know, cards at life or whatever you want to say, but it's just that, and I guess this is my next question for you, you know, looking into the future and, you know, and having these conversations or even starting these conversations with mental health and that, where do you see it? Do you see American culture, even worldwide culture fixing these problems or learning to take more time, money, X, Y, and Z to say, all right, there's got to be, let's find the root cause. Now let's start to find the solution on why these are increasing over X compared to centuries ago. You know, having been through my own journey and, you know, having resolved what seemed like unsurmountable, you know, pain and suffering and come out the other side, um, I, I hold the vision that that's possible for the collective as well. Sure. Um, and I think that's kind of what why I was hopeful around just kind of we're seeing just the messiness of humanity right now, you know, politically, economically, socially, and just, you know, the manipulation and the abuse of power that is not centering humanity. Right? <laughs> um, and for sure. And yeah. I, I do hold a vision that, you know, and that's why I'm really compelled to work with leaders, because I think as leaders, we can either become vessels of healing, or we can continue to perpetuate cycles of harm. And I think what we're seeing right now is kind of the reckoning of generations and generations and generations of trauma that oftentimes was just kind of happening in the background. Yeah. And now it's happening in plain sight for everyone to see. And obviously technology is, you know, helping with that as well and that could be the flip side that now that all of the wounding is for all of us to 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. that could actually be lending itself to help you know us, us heal on a, a much larger scale um and there's no guarantees right trauma we can either rise above it and triumph from it or it can really be the death of us right mm. and um so I, I think there's no guarantees on that path of healing i think it requires that we have the right tools the right resources and the right support so if we in our systems of government, you know, start to center the right tools and support, you know, we have the tools and the support, we just need to uh, center it and make it accessible. Well, I'm wondering that, you know, based on like, you know, I keep saying, you know, previous years ago that, you know, we're starting these conversations and that, you know, and I'm not saying it's cool or to talk about, you know, your anxiety, depression, or whatever you're going through trauma, but it's almost become more acceptable to have these conversations and just, you know, know that there's other people out there who's also going through some type of trauma and learning about like, Oh, you know, Greg went through energy medicine, you know, maybe I should do that. And that's like, I can have these open conversations without, you know, worrying about being judged, judged, I guess, or ridiculed for saying that, right. Where I could, and just not staying inside a blank room with my thoughts where I can just feel like, Hey, I don't, I can, open up to this and maybe that's stage one or day one of my healing process. Yeah. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? And that's where we go. And it's just like, okay, cool. You know, and that's one of the good things about, you know, social media and podcasts and all the other stuff. I was, in, I was saying that, you know, you're not, you know, you're not the only one who's going through something and that I guess strength in numbers and, you know, what is it? The rising tide lifts all boats and that there's things out there for me to do something with, as long as I take a chance, leap of faith, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I think that there are more conversations and that is leading to more awareness and that awareness is yeah, helping people um, realize they're not alone and that realize that there's support and alternatives and that's helping people kind of start to lean into what can, what can healing look like for them? What could a better life look like for them? You know, healing is a commitment to defy odds. It's helping us expand the aperture of possibility. It's helping mm. us be see new potential within ourselves and within our world. Um, and I argue too, that as we heal the, the fragmentation within ourselves, um, that's a part of healing the fragmentation in the world. So as we come to experience ourselves as more whole, we can start to see the wholeness in the world. And that becomes kind of a generative feedback loop, right? Because then we're more able to engage with the wholeness of the world, um, you know, as opposed to just seeing the world as broken and giving up. So when you started Prisma and you were going through your healing journey, I mean, was that about the same time you were, were they coincide together when you were doing both? 
I mean, I started teaching energy medicine and Reiki 20 years ago, and then I started to add on the somatic and the mindfulness pieces, and then I started to add on the trauma and the neuroscience, and then in the last mm. years, reverse engineering all of that. So yeah, it was kind of all a 25-year journey of healing and creating healing and supporting others in healing. Yeah, was that, I guess what I was asking, you know, starting and founding Prisma, and, you know, going through what you were going through and learning and all that, was that like a stressful state for you? Or was it just that, hey, you know, I know I'm working towards a goal and it's making me better. And, you know, I'm trusting the process along the way to get to whatever goal it is that I have and help people. Is that kind of what the motivation was? Was that, I guess, both of it? That's what I'm asking both things. Maybe it's a two-part question. <laughs> so I think healing is probably the most important act that anyone can commit to in this life. I think mm. it probably requires the most courage. Um, and it can be a long and windy, bumpy road. Um, you know, I created Prisma, so hopefully healing can become less windy and mm. less bumpy and less long uh, for others. Um, so they don't have to, you know, travel the world to India and Asia and South America to, you know, piece together everything I've learned, um, you know, they can just, you know, study it in one place. Um, but yeah, as I, you know, was no longer in pain, was no longer in, you know, suffering from anxiety or depression, um, as well, who am I not to share this with others? Sure. It's like if your cup is overflowing. Um, I think it's, it's there for us to share. Um, and so, who are we not to offer kind of the blessings that we've kind of stumbled upon in our life um, and provide that for others, especially in a world that is, you know, is screaming for wholeness, right? We live yeah. in a world, that's, you know, in agonizing pain. And if I have a piece of the puzzle that can offer some, a healing salve, a healing tonic, then um, I'm here for it. So, when you have a client that comes to you, is it usually just like a one-on-one -on -one basis and you sit down with them and kind of get a sense of what's going on. And then you kind of set up a, I guess, a solution or a progress chart, say, all right, so this is how we're going to start. You know, this is, you know, hopefully they're going to be the end goal, but this is where we're starting. So I guess that's what I'm just asking. How does it work? You know? Um, so again, that metaphor of that symphony orchestra, um, no, I'm not mapping out their journey. Their journey is unique to them. I've worked with um, identical twins who have the same genetics, they have the same diagnoses, and their healing journeys are completely unique because they are still individuals, right? So how their innate wisdom reorganizes and how they return to their own symphony orchestra and how they make their own music is going to be unique. So the healing path is not, we're going to do this, this, this to get to that point. Mm -hmm. um, at least not how I work. And I think not in a trauma-informed approach. Trauma-informed healing is holding space so people can feel held and supported. And in doing so, they can access their agency. They can access their intelligence where their body, mind, and spirit can reorganize and restructure according to its own intelligence and its own wisdom. So then people can access more of their potential. And so whatever that potential looks like for each individual, right? So that sure. uh, may mean some people, you know, 
quit their day jobs and they, you know, open a new business. For others, it can mean that they retire because they're done with their grind. Um, for others, it means they're no longer in pain. For other people, it means that they've, you know, worked through shame and pain and their relationships have gone from night and day. And now they have, you know, meaningful relationships where they're not ridden with guilt and people pleasing. So, you know, the benefits of healing are, you know, as unique and varied as each individual I work with. Yeah. And I guess that's a good point. And just that I'm wondering, you know, that, you know, when you tell them about energy medicine or any of this alternative health that we were talking about or alternative. I don't, I don't really tell them much about it. Oh, okay. People uh, reach out to me because they want results. And so uh, I am, am engaging with them and saying, hey, where are you at? Where would you like to be? And all right, healing is going to help you come into your optimal expression. And it's going to support you and your highest good. It's going to help you face and address all of the maladaptations to stress that have gotten in the way of your potential. Um, so sometimes you're going to have to look the tiger in the eye and face your wounding, face your pain. And we're going to create a container that allows you to do that. That's going to help you regulate your nervous system. That's going to help you expand your window of tolerance so you can start to be with and metabolize the imprints of trauma and lived experience that at one point were too much and overwhelming. So as you have more capacity, then you have more agency, you have more choice, you have more capacity to feel yourself, be yourself. Um, and again, how, how that unfolds for each individual is not, um, you know, it's not a diagnostic or prescriptive journey. Um, it's mm -hmm. a path of exploration, you know, it's an, un, it's an unfolding. Is that what a lot of trauma is? Is that learning to, would you say, look at it, look at it in the eye, the tiger in the eye? Is, like that, is that part of the healing process? Like learn that, okay, I know I have trauma. Let me face it instead of just keeping, staying away from it. Um, yes. And doing so, we don't force that process. Um, there's a concept called titration and you know, there's a lot of re-traumatization that can happen in the medical system and in, you know, alternative medicine and health and healing. Um, so no, we don't force ourselves to look at trauma that we're not equipped to look at um, because that can actually, that re-traumatization can do more harm than good. It can overtax the system. Um, and lead to, you know, more pain and more wounding. Mm. So the container for people to grow in their capacity to then face what needs to be faced. Um, and each individual's capacity to face what needs to be faced is unique. And that timeline is unique. And um, what each individual needs to face is unique. And so, um, you know, I think people are just have we've been taught to look at like these cookie cutter approaches to healing and um, any cookie cutter approach to healing I've come across, um, it, 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 it's, it fails, it fails us because um, we need really personalized approaches to healing that support each individual in their unique lived experience and honor them and meet them in their own timing and in their own process on their own mm -hmm. terms. Yeah, that's that's a good point, Greg. And 
because, you know, doing these podcasts and connecting with people like yourself that, you know, I learned, and I forgot when I learned this, but, you know, micro trauma and that, which I thought trauma was trauma, I guess that, you know, and I didn't realize that, I guess there was a spectrum or a scale that you wanted to say. And I had actually somebody explain to me what a micro trauma was. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, you went through this certain situation, which is still bad, but compared to what another person might've went through is different. So when you say the cookie cutter healing or experiences or whatever that, okay, so you're not going to use that same thing just for a person who went through micro trauma compared to a person who was, I don't know if you just want to say trauma then. Yeah, there's there's no one way to heal. Exactly. Yeah. And that makes total sense now that, you know, I kind of, I would go down this road just thinking that, okay, you know, trauma is trauma and that, you know, this is how we're going to attack it. And and that the reason I asked you that before is that's, you know, about, you know, attacking it and meeting, looking at the tiger in the eye was because, you know, again, I had somebody in my life who was talking to a behavioral therapist and, and hopefully I'm not butchering this, but they basically said that that's like their first step to healing or whatever is that you actually have to face your problems. So that kind of makes sense. I don't know if that's completely true. I'm just, and I, I might be messing it up a lot, but I think that was kind of what that person was saying. Well, I'd say we have to grow in our capacity to face our problems. Cause if we don't have capacity to face our problems, then we may just overwhelm ourselves and set ourselves back on our healing mm-hmm. journey. So you can't, and it's not about attacking, you know, looking the tiger in the eye. It's actually looking the tiger in the eye with a whole lot of love. We're not attacking it. We're not fighting it. We're actually learning how to integrate it. We're learning how to, because that that tiger that we're looking at is our own wounding, right? And that's a part of us. And so sure. it's no longer fighting against ourselves, but, um, you know, embracing that part of ourselves. So there's a lot of radical love and a lot of radical acceptance of our pain. Um, And that, you know, helps us derive more understanding. So instead of feeling fragmented in all of these different pieces, we start to create more of a cohesive through line where we start to um, integrate all these different lived experiences. So there's more cohesion in our understanding of ourselves and of the timeline of our lives. When you went through your journey and your healing process and, you know, you got the three inch curve out of your spine and everything, did you have a whole new outlook on life? I mean, people, people have this idea that it's just like this one and done. I had this epiphany and my whole life changed. It's like, no, I'm still healing, right? Like healing, we need to question the status of arriving. So no, there was no one point where my life changed. It's just like people that like go down to the Amazon and do ayahuasca and they have like this epiphany, but it's like, no, the real work happens when you start to integrate that epiphany and you start to be able to gain access in that, in the day-to-day, you know, mundane tasks of the world um, and of daily living. And so, um, no, it's been, healing is incremental series of awakenings and understandings and awareness and growth that are cumulative and over time. Um, and I'd, I'd argue that some of those biggest epiphanies, you know, when people see God or have the, you know, if, if it's not in a grounded context, um, 
it may be really hard for folks to integrate those types of awakenings. And I think that's a big piece of why I, I'm really compelled to focus on a, a trauma-informed approach to healing that is safe and sustainable, that is helping people experience healing in a way that is both endearing and enduring. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can have these big changes, but then not be able to integrate them. And so it's like, we get a glimpse of potential, but we actually never get to integrate and live into that potential. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this. And is more people going to do ayahuasca now? And is this part of a process? Because they think that's kind of what you just said, that they'll have this epiphany and, you know, they'll go towards the dot, the, uh, the dark and face their biggest problems in the world. And just, or is that just kind of a false narrative that's being, no, I think there's a lot of value to plant medicine, but I do think that um, there's a lot of plant medicine that's being structured to the Western mind to help people get their rocks off and have like these mind blowing experiences that can actually be really destabilizing and be really hard for people to make sense of sure. in meaningful ways. Um, and I think there's also plant medicine that can be administered in a way that is very um very mindful of how, you know, how healing really works to support, you know, a more safe, sustainable, you know, um, opening into one's potential and into possibility. Yeah. No. And, you know, a couple of podcasts I listen to frequently that a lot of the guests and even the host seem to be talking more and more about ayahuasca now. And, and I don't want to say the healing properties of it, but it's more of just that, you know, facing what might, you know, kind of what we were just talking about, like looking at the tiger in the eye and actually facing what's might be some type of problems, trauma, whatever you've had in the back of your head and that you've never really come to face it. But for whatever reason, doing ayahuasca kind of makes you do that. And also it seems to be more of, cause you have a sh- shaman who kind of, I don't want to say hold your hand, but there's a guide for you there. And I, and, and I guess that's kind of what, you know, I'm glad you told me that because I thought that that's what more people were thinking that, oh, maybe I'll just go do, like you said, if I go do ayahuasca, I'll be completely healed and live out the rest of my life and be a better person and all that good stuff. I think, I think all of us would love that one and done. And, um, and so, but then again, then we're looking to even alternative approaches to healing the way we're looking at a medication. Right. And so, healing doesn't work that way. Again, we can have these enlightening experiences and these epiphanies that can be life-changing. But I'd argue that's just those life-changing moments are actually just giving us a glimpse of possibility. And then the real healing happens thereafter, right? Um, It's not that everything in that moment crystallizes and changes on every level. I think we get a glimpse and then the work happens to, you know, lean into that and integrate it and embody it. What's a, what's a day in your shoes look like, Craig? I mean, do you wake up and, I mean, do you meditate? Do you give yourself positive affirmations? I mean, do you eat something, you know, that's really good for you and that, you know, that's, you know, your body's going to really enjoy and just kind of help keep that inflammation down that we were talking about. I mean, do you have to read and stay up on new studies that are always coming out about, you know, X, Y, and Z, you know, drugs, food, nutrition, 
prescription medicines, new case studies they've done on some kind of experiments and stuff. I mean, well, I mean, what's a, what's a day in a, your shoes look like? I practice what I preach. So I work with somatics and mindfulness. You know, meditation is the mind training that's helping to reorient from pain to possibility. That's helping us dissolve our identification with wounding to come into a, a deeper place of presence and an expanded field of awareness that uh, becomes just a healing tonic. I'm practicing energy medicine on myself each day, you know, and the effects of that are to calm the cardiovascular system, regulate the nervous system, strengthen the immune system. Certainly tons of non-negotiables in terms of lifestyle, in terms of what I eat, in terms of, you know, exercise, in terms of time in nature and movement, uh, rest, sleep. Um, so all of those are pretty big non-negotiables that are, you know, just a part of my daily rhythm these days. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the, uh, especially sleep is so overlooked now. I feel like in, you know, in a really fast paced modern world where people and, you know, where some, a lot of people like to say that, Oh, you only need four hours of sleep. And that way you can go crush 16 hours of work and be fine or whatever it is. But, but I've learned that getting, you know, X amount of hours for myself is super big in the importance of my daily lifestyle and that, and not only that, but like the impact on the brain that it has. And just, you know, it's just, it's so great. But I also feel that, you know, with like what I just said, the modern real people were just, like, oh, you you know, you don't need to sleep. You don't really need that much. But I think and it's just became a false thing upon the world today where people just think that and they shouldn't think I don't I don't want people thinking that I guess is what I'm trying to say that it should be a non-negotiable like you said and when I speak about the non-negotiables I have and as much as I may invite clients and students to invite in certain non-negotiables it's also understanding when the body the brain and the nervous system aren't allowing that rest um, because the nervous system hasn't learned how to land yet so rest can feel really threatening so living on guard in a state of hypervigilance may be some that may be all that someone knows. And that's mm. I'd argue the, that's much of our culture. Good so point. rest doesn't feel safe, rest doesn't feel accessible. Mm. So again, to the point of you know, providing care that's non-diagnostic and non-prescriptive, I can tell someone who's struggling with trauma, you know, every day to get their rest, to eat the right things, to do the right things. But their nervous system and their brain are, and the trauma stored inside of them is not allowing them to, right? So I have a team of doctors and naturopaths that refer patients to me when, you know, they, they can't do all the right protocols because the protocols are too anxiety producing. They can't cut out the certain foods because that's just not, mm. those foods are part of the organization of their lives that is creating some baseline of stability. And so to challenge that can feel too threatening. So it's like we address the, the, the emotional patterns that are keeping people up. We address the emotional patterns that are keeping people, you know, if, if people haven't, you know, if people weren't, haven't had access to, you know, clean food in early development, that impacts the brain and that impacts our taste, right? Sure. So the well and most well-intentioned person who wants to eat clean, you know, it takes a lot of rewiring to make that sort of lifestyle change accessible. I'm glad you said that because again, that was one of my 
things. I was, I don't really understand or know what that actually person's going through that they might not be able to get, you know, that amount of sleep or to me, it's just like, Hey, just go to sleep, you know? So, but I'm glad you said that pointed that out that, you know, people are going through something weird and different all the time, but, but I, moving forward, I know we're going to get short on time here, but if you could give any advice to somebody, you know, who is might be have trauma, depression, and all the things that we've been talking about, you know, what would you say to them and maybe give them a direction of at least at day one or the first step in their journey and their healing process? What would you say to them? Advice, whatever it is. We can't heal in isolation. Um, We're social creatures. We're not meant to live in isolation. We certainly can't heal imprints of trauma and wounding alone. Um, And so get support, Um, you know, reach out, get support. Um, And not all healing, not all therapy is equal. Not all healing and therapy is trauma-informed. And so you need to shop around, right? And so if you go see a healer or a therapist and it's not a good fit, sure, that might feel a little discouraging, but that's like, all right, it's just, it's a numbers game. Pick mm-hmm. up the phone or, you know, do your search and, you know, ask friends for referrals. Um, and again, I have, I've had some folks that haven't felt ready to get that support because that even feels too confrontational. So then what are the breadcrumbs along the way? You know, for me, it was reading a book on mindfulness and then it was, you know, lots of time in nature. And then it was music and then moving my body. Um, you know, those were all portals to my healing before I was able to like really sink my teeth into getting more, you know, concrete support. Um, that was going to really move the needle to like, you know, because all of those pieces were like helping me get a glimpse of, of something. Um, but the deeper healing is helping to, to resolve the subterranean sure. that are getting in the way. Greg, thanks for being here. Um, I'm glad we had this conversation. If people want to find you, if they want to find Prisma or anything, you just want to plug, feel free to do that. Yeah, just gregwhiting.com, W-I-E-T-I-N-G. Uh, I work with clients one-on-one. I also have um, the Prisma course and community. Um, and both are really for folks who healing is their highest commitment. Like you're ready to roll up your sleeves and dive in. Um, and again, my work with healing is not to focus on trauma. It's to help people just plug into their innate wisdom. So we're not like trudging up pain. We're actually helping to access the body's wisdom that understands that it is not the pain. <laughs> and in doing so, we start to drop the pain and, you know, experience, you know, what's more authentic and true to who we are. So, um, so I think a lot of people come to healing and they've been through, you know, there's just some pain you can't think or talk your way through. Mm. So folks who want to have access to um, a pathway to heal, you know, what, what's beyond kind of the mind's capacity to make sense of, um, you know, reach out. It all starts with a conversation. For sure. And I'm glad we did this conversation and started these conversations for people who might need to want to reach out. So again, thank you. And thanks for being here and I enjoyed it. My pleasure. Have a great night. See you folks.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park 